Hi guys, and welcome back to another episode of Motor Up Sports. I have two new guests with me, Connor and Andrew. What up, what up, what up? How you doing? I'm good, good. So we're going to cover the Pistons today, Lions, NBA, some fantasy football, and we'll finish with some Michigan State football preview. So I'm going to start off with the Pistons. What has stood out? You guys probably obviously watched the last game, right? Against the Bucks blowout loss. What stood out to you guys there? I'll start with you, Andrew. Um, I think a lot of the rookies, the young guys are looking good, but defensively, it's just still a lot to be, a lot to be, you know, gained. They're still, obviously this year, they're not going to be a playoff team. I know some people thought in the offseason they might make the plan, but I don't know. I think this is just going to be a year you're going to see the young guys grow, hopefully get a little better defensively, but it is exciting to see some scoring finally and some hope with some of the guys like Jaden Ivey, Jalen Duren, obviously Kate Cunningham. Connor. Yeah, I mean, like like you said, I mean, scoring has been nice to see, but I mean, the last two games have not looked too even good on that end. I mean, obviously the defense has been a struggle all year, but I mean, what what they had, they had forty something like sixty missed shots or whatever the other day, and then two offensive rebounds. I mean, at first when I first watched the first couple of games, I thought it was nice to see you know at least some spark in the offense, but I mean, there's not even as, as the, I mean, the youth is kind of shown in these last couple of games. I mean, with just their energy levels, like two offensive rebounds. Are you kidding me? You don't, you can't afford to, you can't afford to miss 60 shots or whatever it was and get two offensive rebounds. I don't know. I feel like it's one thing to, you know, have, you know, your youth struggling defensively because it takes time to um, adapt, but the energy levels have got to be there at least if you're going to be a young team. The one thing that stood out to me so far is they're missing, um, obviously the last few games stern, but they're really missing Bagley. And I don't think that's being talked about enough. And I think the biggest part of this team that's been an issue is getting the stop in the paint. Unless Dern's blocking the shot, he's really not getting stops down there. I don't know if you guys have somewhat realized that here and there. I mean, he gets the stops, but he's a much better defender when he's, he's just not that great of a defender unless he's blocking the shot. So he's made a lot of the, Sorry, what I was going to say is I think one thing that's just been a constant problem too with them this year that's not going to change is, you know, with youth, they're going to see inconsistency and they just don't have a lot of depth. Like they don't have a lot of guys, veterans on the bench they can turn to when things are going badly, anything like that. It's just kind of when things start going badly, they just kind of keep going badly. Yeah, Bogdanovich, he's looked good. I mean, he's been the only bright spot, bright spot of that to have as a veteran, but I mean, he's not, he doesn't have, I don't know, the experience that, uh, you know, most you know talented guys have that you can't really rely on you know Bogdanovich but right and that's not it's not feeling the post really at all anyways and I think we're missing Burks nine doesn't really help in the post either Garden you know big guys his right. defensive presence has not been that solid so far this year I think we're missing Burks substantially the backcourt just can't score when the bench comes in in case he's doing a better job at staggering Ivy and Kate out but just watching Killian on the floor, it's like you might as well be playing four and five basketball because he, you know when he gets the ball, he's doing absolutely nothing with it. He's either bricking the three or he's passing it up. So yeah, I, it's got to be just about time to be done with Killian Hayes. I mean, I, I know it's never worked, and I think it's, I think at this point, if it was going to work, it would have been out. So here's my question: Who is the that one disappointing you. pick, Seku or Killian? Killian. Yeah, I'm have to go Killian there too. I think the thing about Killian is. What disappoints me is that was the first pick of the Weaver era. Now, granted, had they gone Halburn, had they gone Maxi, do we get Cade? Probably not. But what I'm concerned about is the depth on the bench. If Burks can't stay healthy, let's just hypothetically say, shit, Killian or Corey goes down the next couple of games. Then what are you playing? You know, you're playing Marathi McGruder. Like you said, the depth on this team is a joke, but at the same time, even the guys who are playing off the bench that are considered our depth are not good either. Like there's what, and that's something that you have 60 mil this off season. You got to spend money to upgrade that. Mm-hmm. That's one of the biggest things for me. You got to get a real backup point guard. A guy I would take a hard look at is Jordan Clarkson being your six man. I don't know. People seem to love or hate that. What do you guys think? Jordan Clarkson. How would you feel if you, if you were to make a deal for him? I feel like if you make a deal for Jordan Clarkson, he's not going to be a six man at the, with this roster. I think he starts. I'm, I'm not going to lie. Yeah, and I don't. I haven't looked enough like with the, the free agent market for this to be that, but I think they got to go get somebody big. I think that they need some kind of big guy that's a veteran and not just relying on Jalen Durant. I mean, like 
I know Isaiah Stewart and Sneak Bay have been all right, but when the Pistons are ready to make the playoffs, I think those guys are coming off the bench and not starting. I know this guy's always talked about a lot in um in around the trade deadline, but why not try and make a move for Miles Turner? I feel like Miles yeah. Turner would be a really good asset. I mean, with, with, he would mesh well. He's not that old, but he has experience. He's a I mean he's he's a not dominant post player, but he's better than what you have with Isaiah Stewart, and you still you still got in Sadiq Bay and you, you still got size there. You got experience a little bit. He's still young, so he still can mesh with the, the young group. I would I think that's not a terrible idea, especially because he's always talked about in I mean trade in uh trades around the deadline. I'm not the biggest fan of that because you already have Dern and Bagley just sitting right there. Like you have both of them, you have Stu, and I've said it before the season, like Stu won't be here next year. You know, he's doing everything he can to stay on this team. He's, they're trying to teach him how to shoot. He's shooting it with confidence. That's all you got to ask for off him right now. See, he's going to start hitting the mall at some point. Stu's doing what I've, what I've wanted him to do. If he wanted to stay on this roster, he had to adapt. Stu's already there. Duran, I mean, you have him for God knows how long. He's only 18. And then you're already a Bagley. You're paying. You're stuck on three years, two after this, and 13 mil attached to him. So for me, bringing in another big would make zero sense to me, unless you're bringing him in on a one-year deal to develop Durant. Now here's a question I have with the Bagley thing. At the end of this year, or even at the trade deadline, you try and move him for picks. I mean, is he really a part of your long-term future? I want to see what he does right now. Yeah. He's coming back in a couple oh, of weeks. They've said a week or so. I want to see how he is with Durant. When Duran comes back, I want to see more of him and Stu. I've never been the biggest Bagley fan. I don't like his contract. And no. I've said it on record, like his contract, I don't think you were bidding against anybody for him. You were bidding against yourself, and you got scared and offered him 13. And oh, I think clearly overpaid for him. But on the flip side, you kind of needed him here next this year. Because at the same time, he fit in really well with this team. And that's a risk I'm willing to take. I'm willing to roll the dice on Bagley. But like like everybody's saying, like his health is awful. And nobody wants to take a chance on a guy who's going to give 40 games a season. So what's his trade value? Let's be real here. He's always hurt and he's overpaid. There's not much to give out there, in my opinion. I'm just saying maybe he catches fire, plays well for a few weeks, and you can move him for something. I don't know. To me, I just don't think he's at all a part of the long-term future, so I think anything you can get for him is a win, and getting that contract off would be a win. I think anything for Killian's a win, to be honest with you. You could get a second for him. No no one's giving anything for Killian. I think you'd have to trade somebody with Killian and have Killian as, like, a dump-off as part of the trade. So, okay. Who are you trading at deadline if you make a move? I don't know. I mean, maybe maybe Bagley, if he plays well, that's the only thing I can really think of. The move I'm willing to make is Sadiq Bay because I think he's upgradable. He's so yeah. Upgradable. What's his market going to be like, though? Because I'd be, I'd be okay trading him. I think the Warriors can be a team that wants him. Huh? Let's think about it for a second. Like, think about the Warriors, man. They're struggling right now, not playing good basketball. They're a team that's going to need another 3 and D player. They just paid pool. And they just and they have Clay and, and Curry right there. Can you imagine if they move Pool back to six man or make Sadiq their six man? How much better they're going to be? I'm willing to package right now for Draymond Green, and that's your big move is Draymond Green. I don't think there's any way the Warriors get rid of Draymond Green. I think they do. He's not going back there. They're not right. going to. They then did you see what they're talking about with the luxury tax? They're talking, about getting rid of, they're talking about getting rid of luxury tax and just giving a salary cap. So they're not going to be able to afford – they're not going to be able to afford Draymond if they change the salary cap rules. I don't know. To me, Draymond Green is very much synonymous with their whole dynasty, whether it's Steph, Clay, Steve Kerr. I think he's very much part of that. I think I think people would be surprised when he's not there how much different they'd look. I don't think they can – I don't think they win a championship without him most of the – I think they know, that, they know that more than anybody does too. Yeah. You know? I, don't, I don't think they – they definitely – like Steph does not have four rings without Draymond. No, he has zero. I agree. That's that's what I'd say, or at least maybe one, but he definitely does not have four. I would overpay the shit out of Draymond because I think he makes you so much better. I don't know. I think you're getting your shooter in the draft this year. I don't know who it's going to be, but that's what I think they'll probably go after. Keontae George. Yeah, I mean, possibly. We'll see what other names come up. We still got six months. I like this draft. Derek Wyatt's oh. another name. I don't know if you guys follow. Keontae George Baylor, right? Keontae George's Baylor, Derek Wyatt was like the number two or three recruiter in the nation. He went to Duke. He's a three and D player. Um, <laughs> we'll see some names keep popping up. I'm a yeah, big I was Nick say, Smith we'll see guy. How the college season goes and all that. I so guy, okay. 
let's let's talk about I, I have a hot take and I want to hear what you guys think. Kyrie Irving, after this contract's up, will not get another contract in the NBA. Do you guys agree with that? Is or is that is that is that too hot? I don't I don't know. I I think you're kind of reaching there. I mean, I don't I I do agree to the fact that he's one of the most um unsafe players that you could, you know, sign to a contract, obviously, untrustworthy. Um, you can't depend on them, but at the same time, that's too much of a, that's too much of a talent for a team that would, there's going to be teams out there would love to give Kyrie a contract right now. I mean, I understand, you know, everything that's going on, you got to be careful about it. And he just came out with a statement today, apologizing, I believe. And it was like his first time saying anything about it in a minute, but I don't know. I think that's kind of way too far-fetched with someone that's at the caliber of Kyrie Irving to say that he's not going to get a contract after this. I think it's kind of up to Kyrie more than anything. I mean, if he goes out and says the right things and does the right thing, he'll be back in an instant. Someone will want him. It's more, all if he his, doesn't want to play, if he wants to take his own ego and his own stupidity, then he won't play. But I don't think that the NBA is going to make him not play. I think it's going to be more him than anything. So here, here's what I think. I think that it's, I think it's hot. And I think that about him is he's a cancer. He just takes off from the team whenever he feels like it. And then who wants to bring that baggage in? You know, if you're a winning team, he's not really a winner. LeBron he was great in those finals and he, he was the reason him and LeBron were the reason they won. But ever since he's left LeBron, he's been a loser. And ever since they've le- ever since he's left LeBron shadow, he's been a loser every single season. He hasn't even. I, he's been I still a loser. Think, <laughs> Sorry, go ahead. Go. I still think Kyrie at his best is potentially the one of the, I mean, I think that if he plays at his best and, you know, kind of cuts the BS out, I, mean, I think he's still a top 10 player in basketball. I agree. I, was say, I don't think it comes down to him being a winner or a loser. I think it has to do with him his more like or his priorities. I don't know if his priority is his basketball. His number his his job isn't hasn't been his number one priority, I feel like, in the last couple of years for whatever Great. that may be. But I don't think it has anything to do with talent, really. I don't think it has anything to do with talent. It doesn't have anything to do with what if what other people are interested in him it has to do with does he care enough to play basketball? It's all in his hands. So that's something we really can't predict, I feel like. So I think at the end of the day, if he cuts the bullshit like on the last year of his deal in Brooklyn and just shows that he can like just play basketball, I think he gets another contract. But if this continues, like I don't think the vaccine was anything about him like not playing, like not wanting the vaccine. I think it was all about him just saying, I don't want to play and I want to take a bunch of months off from basketball. And that's just my honest opinion about it. Because if you watch his moves even before that, like just leaving the Brooklyn Nets and the Boston Celtics to just do random stuff. Like it's like he can just take vacation days. It always has felt like to me his selfishness gets in the way of his basketball play. And a yeah. lot of teams will not want to touch the selfishness. Uh, I would agree with you, but I mean, here's an example I'd like to use in a different sport of somebody that's so much like this. Tom Brady, best player of all time, has, you know, he takes Tuesday and Wednesday off from practice. He does all this shit on the side and he's still, I, I think that, I think that if you're good enough, someone will take you and you can win. I Tom think that Brady's the best, best player of our lifetime in any sport. Tom sure. Brady has the right to do that. I mean, okay, Antonio Brown's going to keep getting picked up by teams. I mean, Antonio Brown keeps getting picked up. He keeps doing dumber shit than Kyrie. The NFL and the He's NBA not. are completely different, though. The NBA is all political. The NFL is like, well, if you rape a girl, you could play 11 games. You're just out of 11 games. If that happens in any other sport that Deshaun Watson shit, I'm just saying right now, you're talking about years, year-long suspension, two-year-long suspensions. The NFL doesn't care. Is Miles you, Bridges you, not beat, you beat your girlfriend, you get four games, but, you gamble. but if you gamble on your team, you get set. You get a whole season. I, I mean, mean, is Miles Bridges not about to be in the Hornets? He has zero jail time, and he's going to be able to – he pled no contest, and he's going to be able to – he has the, the Hornets have the option to pick him back up and sign him. I mean – As they should. As Well, sure, they should sign him, but I'm saying the NBA is just going to yeah. – the, the NBA has the choice to suspend him or not. I mean, he's not no. – at least a year. But I'm just saying it's the same kind of thing. I mean, yeah, they tell they, – they, the argument of that it's all political in the, um, in a, in the NBA but not the NFL is – I don't know. I think some of the NFL suspension stuff gets really tough too. Cause like in some of these cases where these guys are not technically guilty of anything in a court, it's kind of tough to say whether they, how long, how is, where is it the NFL's place to suspend these guys? Yeah. Where, when, when is it, when, at what point is it their, their responsibility and not, you know, the law. Right. Where like the government. I'm going to use the example of like Calvin Ridley. That's different. He's not doing anything that's like technically illegal. He's doing something against the sport. 
It's it's right. so That's stupid. Different. Exactly. Yeah. The NFL needs consistency. I think at the end of the day, there's zero consistency with these suspensions. Tom Brady getting four games for the football, but you know Ray Rice getting four for beating his wife. I mean, obviously he never got back into the league, but it's kind of like, what is it? Like, what are you going to give them? It's always like, we're just going to pick out of a hat how many games you're going to get. It's always felt like with the NFL. The NBA, I think they're more consistent. I think they have more clear guidelines too um, than most sports. Because like also, like I think that every suspension, at least I can think of that Silver's given out, has been fair. It's been fair. There's nothing that you sit there and you're like, he should have been suspended shorter or longer. I don't know. I've always felt he's been fair. Here's another thing about the NBA, and there was an interesting um, there was an interesting TikTok about this month, so I forgot to ever mention this. Um, Russell Westbrook, we're seeing what he's doing right now. He's pretty much demolished his career at this point, to the point where it's like, if you're a contender, he's probably not getting picked up by a team that's going to contend by his next contract. If you're a team that's rebuilding, there's no point of picking him up either, because what's the point? So here's uh, the thing. Do you think Russell Westbrook's done? Nobody's going to touch him next year. Or do you think, because I, I think I, he's I worked himself, so. I think he's worked himself out of basketball. Because let's just say. Yeah, go ahead. $40 million. So let's say he, he's going to want 20. Because he's not taking a league minimum. You know he's not going to take a league minimum. You know he's not taking anything less than 10. Nobody's going to pay him more than 10 mil. Unless he's taken a massive pay cut and learns to play the bench, I don't think he's ever playing again after this contract, to be completely honest with you. He's going to learn how to take a pay cut and play a small role on a winning team, like Allen Iverson did at the end of his career with Memphis, that type of shit. Like, he's just, he's going to have to take a really, I don't think he's willing to take a small role, and I don't think he's willing to take a massive pay cut at this point in his career. What do you guys think? I think one thing that I had thought of, I don't know when I was thinking about this, but I was just watching Lakers not that long ago. I don't remember exactly which game, but it was one of his games because he has a lot of them where he was not not looking very hot. And I just remember thinking to myself. Weird. Where'd Kyra go? I don't know. It's that fun. Okay. So what I was saying was um, I was thinking the other day, is there a way where Russell Westbrook can actually play on another team besides the Lakers? And this could be crazy, but I was just thinking, what would a team that is – okay, let's, let's use an example. The Houston, the Houston Rockets, a team that's not looking very good this year, um, doesn't really, they know that they're in their rebuild. They know that they have some time before they're going to really be competing, and they see Wemby sitting there at the number one pick. You know what you ought to do if you're the Rockets? You have to lose games. You know what they see when they watch Russell Westbrook? You know what they see him do? They see him lose games for the Lakers. What In what world would it be crazy for them to make a, a small trade where they give up not that many pieces to a team like the Lakers that obviously, even though they won't say it, want to move Russell Westbrook. They just know that they're not going to be able to get rid of his contract. In what way would they not think that it's crazy to try and make a move to get Russell Westbrook to play losing basketball, to make a way to get to the bottoms where you can get Wemby? I mean – is that, is that ridiculous to say? I mean, I've thought about that and I understand it's, you know, it's, that's a big risk to take that just to get screwed over in the lottery and get the fourth pick. But I don't know. I I've thought about that and wondered if you really, if your goal as an organization magic, whatever you're in right now is to lose basketball games, to tank, to get the number one pick. Why would you not want the number one player in the NBA NBA right now that it's losing basketball games? Yeah. So my, my point that I was going to make is I think the team that will end up getting him will be kind of reminiscent of like the Pistons five, six years ago when they traded for Blake Griffin, when they had Reggie Jackson, oh, they're trying to get the eight seed in the East, whatever. A team like a Pacers, like a Kings, some team that is not really a legit contender, but is like kind of middling in the middle. And it'll be a bad move, kind of like when the Pistons got Blake Griffin. But it'll, oh, we're bringing in this star, excitement, whatever, even if it's really pretty stupid. I'm not – I don't know, man. I just don't see a way that somebody wants to touch that after this year because you're never going to have a prospect like Wemby again. And I think at this point, it's a risk you kind of have to take in this draft where if you're a team that wants to play losing basketball, you need to find a way, like you said, Connor, to play losing basketball the rest of the year. And I think the reward's just so high that you have to do it. Exactly. That's what I'm saying. I don't think it's crazy, but I haven't heard anybody really talking about that because I think that's really frowned upon to be like, oh, 
let's get a guy that's going to intentionally make us lose. But you know, teams are looking at that and they're wondering that, you know, I mean, I say, well, I mean, here's the other question that's going to come down the pipeline in a couple of years. I know this is kind of futuristic. Everyone wants to talk about Bronny or whatever. He's going to be in that, what he's going to be in the draft in two years. Is yeah, LeBron's future in LA or isn't it? Does he want to play with him somewhere else? He's wherever Bronny goes, he's gone. It's going to be think, like a Ken Griffey Jr. senior thing, I think. Yeah, wherever he is, wherever. Where would he end up? Um, wherever Bronny, that's going to make, that's going to make his draft stock so high simply because wherever Bronny's getting drafted is where LeBron's signing. And I, I think he's probably going to end up being one of the most overrated prospects probably ever, just because I, it doesn't, there's like nothing to make me believe that he's going to be that great. He's not that good. Yeah, exactly. Which is but whatever. I, I, mean, I hate the kid for it. I mean, what, what's he supposed no, to No, it's not his fault, but I do think that he's just like kind of. Yeah. I think yeah. Bryce might be better. Might Will probably end up being better than him. Is what or, I've heard. That's what I've heard. He could be. But I just think like, if the thing is teams will tank that year too, because you're guaranteed LeBron pretty much. And LeBron sells you tickets. LeBron gets you to, I don't know at this point, it's great if he gets you to the postseason. Say, what's he going to be, 41 then? Yeah, but I mean, he sells tickets. Right. That's a story. I mean, he makes your team money. You're going to yeah, be on national yeah. television. He's getting, I also think, I don't know. Tom Brady of the NBA, of kind of um, getting in that phase of where it's like, we know that he's not what he used to be, but he's still a, oh, he's still a very, very valuable asset to have on your team. I could see LeBron also kind of telling teams, hey, don't pick Bronny. I'm not playing for the, you know, Sacramento Kings. I'm not paying for the Orlando Magic. Yeah. Oh, they'll yeah. play that game. I mean, can you? He definitely will. Could you see LeBron playing on the Indiana Pacers or something? No. Like, I mean, He'll that's go just back to Cleveland. Uh, the Detroit Pistons. I've I've thought about that whether he'd go back to Cleveland. Three times, think, man. I can see. It. I think he'll have a short list of teams he'd play for. I think it'll be the Lakers. I think it'll be Cleveland. Golden maybe State. maybe like Golden State. Maybe you'll see like the Knicks or the Celtics. Maybe back to Miami. Market teams. Maybe, maybe back you can see Miami. Maybe you can see Philly. Maybe you can see Boston. That's about it. Like I, I know he's a big Luca guy. Yeah. You can see him in Dallas. I don't know. If he goes to Boston, I would. That would be the weirdest thing in the world to me. That would be really weird. I just like, think I it's some big that. name, big franchise like that. Probably not Boston, but I mean, I could see it being. Like, I, I think I could see him playing for the Knicks or the Nets in New York because I could see that being a big thing. Or I even, remember before he went. There, remember before he went to Miami? How that was the whole talk. He's going to be a Nick. He's going to be a Nick. He's going to be a Nick. I don't know if you guys remember that year. Like, I remember. So. I remember. so He's done the LA thing. He's done the Miami thing. I mean, it would kind of make sense to be, you know, New York played an MSG, all that. I don't know. They hate him there, though. I don't think they'd hate him if he signed there. No, they wouldn't hate them if they signed him. Nope, not at all. But I think um, the other topic I wanted to move into was some Lions talk. And we saw the TJ Hawkinson trade. I'm firmly against it. I heard you guys probably heard it last episode. Connor, I know you like the trade, right? I don't dislike the train. You don't dislike it? Why? Dislike it. I don't know. Hawk is – he's at that point where he's a hes a good enough tight end where you're not just going to let him walk, but you're also – he's not a good enough tight end where you're going to pay him Kelsey Kittle type of money. So you know that he's – at the end of this year, he's gone. I mean, he – I'm going to be honest. He's probably gone. I mean, you're not, do you really want to pay that big, that big money for him? I, he's good, but he's – He's in that range of tight ends. That's like the five to 10 that, that Dallas Goddard, um, Tyler Higby type of tight end. But like, he's not in that realm where you can really pay him that type of money. So if you're just, instead of just letting him walk, why would you not make a move where you can at least get rid of, you know, some money or get some money out of it, get some draft picks. What do you need right now? You don't need another offensive weapon, right? Especially an offensive weapon that's going to cost you that much money that isn't at that caliber of a player. No, no hate against Hawk. I like Hawkinson, but I don't know. I really don't dislike the trade. I wouldn't, it wouldn't have been crazy to me if they didn't move him. Cause obviously I didn't see it coming, but at the same time, I really am a fan of the trade just considering what, what, what did they all end up getting out of it? What picks? Um, Take a second, second, and third. second and a third. I mean, in some money as well, right? Do they get money? I, I don't I know, but I wasn't a fan of the two fours, you know, I think you win your drafts in the third, fourth, fifth round, and you just gave up two number fours in it. And, and like, if, I, this is my problem. Minnesota's your division rival. They're six and one. They already have a pretty damn good offense besides their quarterback. They have the pieces. 
It's like the Lions. They had the pieces. They just didn't have the quarterback. Now they have, I'd say, a top six, five, six tight end in football with Thielen, Justin Jefferson, Dalvin Cook. Basically what the Lions just did was hand them the keys to the division for the next couple of years. I would have been okay mm-hmm. if they traded Hawkinson with, with two-fourths attached to it. If yeah. Hawkinson were to come out and say, well, I'm not playing for Minnesota next year, and then he's basically just a rental. You don't know he's not going to come out and say that. Yeah, he exactly. He wouldn't come out and say that. But I think he's going to resign. Why wouldn't he resign that? I mean, here's the thing. Here's my point on it. I think two things. One, I think TJ Hawkinson is the next of a lot of examples of players that have played for the Lions and were this bad organization that we think of here as Detroit fans as being a lot better than he is. I think he's a top 15 tight end, maybe a fringe top tight end tight end in the NFL. And that's not the kind of guy that I want to give 20 million to and build your rebuilding franchise around. I, it doesn't, to me, re-signing him would have made absolutely no sense. So I'm happy getting whatever you get from him. And honestly, as to where he goes, I don't really care that much because Minnesota, yeah, I know they're going to be good for a little bit here, but also like, I, that's, I can't, I don't think that's your focus of who's going to be good in the division when you're rebuilding. I don't think you think about that. I think you give it to whoever's going to give you the most for them and they're probably dead. I'm just over the fact that they just seem to want to sell everything off every year of my life. Oh, we're, we're so far off. Let, let's sell off more assets and push us back even further. That's why I'm just so frustrated because it felt like to me, the offense was like right there. Like you were going to plug in Stroud or Bryce Young this year. And you were going to have a complete offense that was literally going to be, you thought it was good this year. It was going to be elite next year with a real quarterback. How would that win them? Six or seven games? I mean, they still don't have a lot of pieces defensively. I want more. Right, but you have 90 million cap space. That's you, you have enough cap space there to sign three pro bowlers. I think if you put in, if you put another edge rusher next to Hutch, like an Ojabo type player, like he had at Michigan, we're now, you're not focused on double teaming Hutch every play, which I don't like him. I don't think he's that good. I think he's a piece of shit. But I think if you give him somebody on the opposite side, he looks better. So you give him another stud edge rusher. You sign a stud outside linebacker. You sign a stud corner. So then, you know what that guy's name is that's on the other side? Will Anderson. Perfect. Perfect. But I don't need to give a tight end big money. I don't think think it's – I don't know. I don't think it's that important. I don't think really any tight end except for maybe that kid or Kelsey's worth that money. And even Mm -hmm. you can make the argument that they're not, in my opinion. But – but I mean, Hawkinson's not on that level, and he's not going to ever be on that level. I don't think. I wouldn't pay Dallas Goddard that money. I wouldn't pay Zach. Exactly. Yeah, like. Yeah, I mean, it's 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 not the fact of at the very very top at the very very top of the of the tight end position and the kicker position. It's very slim of who you can really pay that money to, just because of the the, the minority of a difference that there are between the positions of five through twenty five in right. in each position. I mean. And I think Hawkinson falls on that. I, I think Hawkinson's a top 10 tight end, but I don't think he's that much better than the 25th best tight end. In the I was going to say, I don't think he's firmly. Like, you could say, he's, if you want to tell me he's top 10, okay. If you want to tell me he's not, okay. I don't think it's like, to me, I don't, it doesn't matter that much to me. I don't, exactly. What do you think of the, um, of the, Kenny, the fire of uh, um, Aubrey? So, I'm not a fan of it. I think at this point in the season, that's just a scapegoat. You know what oh. I mean? Like he's 100%. just a scapegoat. Look, Okuda was actually looking pretty damn good. Yeah, you, you have to do something to make it look like you're doing something. But, but that's yeah. bullshit to me. If they wanted to do something, you fire the dumbass, the dumbass guy who sits in front of the press every week and says nothing. But bullshit. Oh, we're so close. Every mm-hmm. week. And we're so fucking close. Why are we firing our DBs coach? We're making him the scapegoat. You know what I mean? Like, this franchise has made zero sense to me my entire life. The only time they made any sense to me is when they fired Caldwell and tried to get him somebody better, and then they replaced him with the dumbest fucking person in the whole world. They've so been- are, you ready for, are you ready for the day after Thanksgiving this year when the Lions fall the 1-10 one one and fire Dan Campbell? I don't think they will. That's the thing. Yeah. I so think he's here for another year. And why? Like, you're going to fire him midseason next year. He's 4-19-1. and one. I think that their GM did a decent job in the last draft. I'd give him one more hire as, as GM. Well, he didn't hire Dan Campbell because he was hired before him. I'd let Holmes hire in one more coach, and then we'll see how that goes. I don't think Campbell should make it another year. I'm not unless they – I mean, okay, if they write off some wins and end up winning six or seven games this year, sure. Like, I don't see a point of firing the coach midseason. But, I mean, right now, if they, if they end the year two, like, with two or three wins and he's coached two years with a combined six wins, I don't know how you bring him back. It's the Lions and the Ford family. This is my issue. This is why I don't think he's getting fired. 
when when Martha, not Martha, this the fucking idiot daughter Sheila comes out and says to the press, "Oh, I'm gonna make myself more accessible to fans." Okay, well, you wouldn't be accessible if this team was four and four right now. Um, but that's besides the point. She sits in front of this press and says a whole lot of bullshit, like her parents would say. She's no different. If William were to give another year to Dan Campbell, she's going to give another year to Dan Campbell. Point blank, I know the story right there, just end it there. He's getting another year. I, I mean, we have to see. We have to see. I mean, I wouldn't say that before he does it. We'll see. You know what? I think at this point, the right move, you give until Thanksgiving, you go one in 10, and you say, okay, Ben Johnson, you're the new coach. Audition for the next seven weeks or six weeks, whatever's left after that point, and you see what he can do. And at that point, you have a whole off season for a national search for a head coach. Yeah, and I don't even like I don't even like that audition because then you don't really want the guy to go like five and one. So you really want Ben Johnson as the next Lions head coach? Like I don't. I'd rather I'd rather either fire Campbell then and make it clear you're not hiring a new coach, or just wait to the end of the season to fire him. Because I hate that whole oh wow he went four and zero to end the year and then you make him the head coach. I don't know. To me, that doesn't seem like a good idea. Who do you guys want to replace him? I don't know. My guy's BME. Let me, th- let me, let me think. BME's my guy. The dream, which he won't do it at, right now because he just went to USC, would be Lincoln Riley. That's the only guy I would take from the college ranks. So you need a, you need def- you have de- the, you have the thirty second ranked defense in the NFL, and you want Lincoln Riley coming to your team. As Fuck your yeah! Coach. Fuck yeah! With a new quarter, with a rookie quarterback. His, in which it'll probably be his rookie quarterback. Caleb Williams, most likely. I mean, Caleb Williams. He's not this year. He's next year. Great. I prefer oh, yeah. Caleb Williams. He's All right, let, me give you, let me give you a name. And I know you're not going to like this because of whatever. He was successful at the NFL level before, and he started to be – he's been pretty damn successful the last two years in Michigan. Perfect. Perfect. Why don't you hire Jim Harbaugh? Perfect. But why well, would he leave Michigan? solves our problem in two ways. Gets him out of Ann Arbor where he's starting to take over the, the Big Ten, it feels like. And he's been successful in the NFL. Perfect. I don't have an issue with that. That would be my dream. I'd be fine with that. I have an issue with it. Why? This is Michigan. <laughs> I just hate Harbaugh with a passion. I couldn't. I couldn't root on. I couldn't root on the Lions. I mean, it'd be really hard for me. Like just on a personal level. But I. I mean, I get it. I get it. I mean, he's. I wouldn't say he's a winner, but yeah. I mean, he took him seven years to get to the Big Ten championship, and how many? I'd be okay years? with making the Super Bowl after seven years. Yeah, that's fair. I think I think he would win. Wait seven years though, um, that's for sure. But I know what you mean. I, yeah. I'm, just, I'm just so over just this rebuild cycle, rebuild after rebuild. The only time you had something was when Mayhew and Caldwell were here, and he tore it all down the second they left. Well, it's, I like what I'm saying about Harbaugh is that it's like the fact that he's coached the NFL level and won some. Because I feel like that's what we've done. We keep hiring these assistants that have no like, experience. Like like Dan Campbell, always been ever as an inter- interim head coach. He's, or even like Matt Patricia was only a defensive coordinator. I don't know. I just kind of like the idea of somebody that's. I know it's Harbaugh. I know it's because you don't like him because of that. But I just want somebody like that that has some experience at the NFL level. And I know he's been looking to get back to the NFL. So I think it's an interesting idea. I, I do like it, I think, because I just want somebody with a proven track record. Like, when's the last time Jim Caldwell was so, had somewhat of a track record? But we never brought in a guy with any track record whatsoever in the past. Right. Look at, look at their candidates. And, and you know what? You know why I'm so afraid he's going to be here next year? It's because Holmes isn't in charge of firing him. It's pretty much what he said at the press conference. So well, day. especially because Holmes didn't hire him. Right. Rod Wood and Spielman are. Rod Wood and Spielman both need to fucking go. Yeah. Okay, so I want to move into fantasy football this week. All right, so bye week hell for a lot of people, it seems like. I'm in bye week hell sort of-ish. I know a lot of people are. Give me one player, steel player to start this week that might be on the waiver wire in certain leagues. Mine, I just picked them up for the week is McCole Hardman. One guy that I was seeing on a lot of waiver wires, um, he wasn't on ours, but who I actually picked up last week. Who might be? Does it have to? What? What did you say, Connor? I, I didn't say anything. Somebody picked up last week on the waiver wire that was on the waiver wire in our league, and maybe this was just a, a thing of our league, actually, which is kind of interesting. It's Kirk Cousins. He had been down the last couple weeks. He's playing well right now, which is weird. I picked him up. It's been a value last week. I don't know. It's a thought. Who, who's your waiver wire pickup? He was only to be fair. He was mine for this week. Yeah. It, 
I mean, it depends who it it depends where you're still, who's still in your um on your waiver. Let me let me let me check my waiver real quick. I want I want to give it a, a second. What was yours? Mine was oh, you said Cole Hardman. Okay. Um, I don't so know. I made a trade this past week for Jamar Chase for the postseason. And I'm right now at the place, at least in my league, because I I'm a, I have a great roster. I have a buy right now. I'm in contention mode where I'm just trading assets to get contention, guys. So I'm just bringing up now a bunch of hurt players and just loading my bench up with hurt players. So like okay. what I've done the last few weeks, I brought in Jamar Chase, Elijah Mitchell, and J.K. Dobbins. And if you want to pick up a player off your waiver wire, if he's there, Elijah Mitchell, pick him up right now because he's back next week. I swear. I'm telling you, he's going to have a role in that offense still. I just got one. I just got one that didn't play the first few weeks of the year and really come out of late. If he's still on your waiver wire in the league, Rondale Moore, Cardinals receiver. Really oh, big week. Up for weeks. What do you yeah. say? He's been picked up in my league for weeks. Okay. I've been trying to make him. Just, I, I know someone just picked him up in our league pretty recently. Yeah, it was, it was, um, it was Logan. But yeah, I don't know. I mean, here's I another to say one, one guy. There's one that's going to come up in a couple of weeks that hasn't been on the waiver wire in our league because someone on our Deshaun team Watson. last round and tell them. Yeah, Deshaun Watson. Oh, yeah, you have Deshaun Watson, correct? Correct. Yeah. I, I, the guy who shocked me this year, and I just got, I, I made a great trade for him was I traded um, Aaron Jones for Josh Jacobs and Clyde Edwards Hilaire at one point. And Josh wow. Jacobs has shocked everybody this yeah. year. Everybody. I traded yeah. Clyde later on, like but right before he went shoop, I traded him. And I got a nice, I forgot what I got. They got out of Camara in the trade or something when Camara was down. So like what what's your guys who's your like steel player you think of the year so far? Steel player, Josh Jacobs, hundred percent. Josh Jacobs, Saquon Barkley. Um I mean, you could go on a limb and say Tyreek Hill. I mean, Tyreek Hill in our league and most leagues went late second, early third round, and he's been a top three fantasy football player this year. I mean, right, I, got, I, like- I got one that you're going to like that's coming on as of late, obviously. He was picked earlier in our league, probably because we go to Michigan State, but probably in most leagues not around here. Kenneth Walker. Yeah. yeah. A, lot of, a lot of leagues. I mean, one kid in our league that's a really big state fan and picked him. He picked him really early, and we're all kind of like, yeah, okay, you're doing that, whatever, because, you know, you know the name and all that. But I bet most leagues around that are not, like, full of state fans probably picked him late. He's been one of the best running backs in the league the last few weeks. Yeah. Do I know? Do you know who I think is gonna have an insane week? I think Aaron Jones is gonna have a field day on Detroit's D this week. Yeah. yeah. Sure. Especially coming off of what two back to back to back almost twenty point games. Yeah, he's been good. He's getting hot at the right time. Another guy I think that could turn some heads this week. I I don't know. I'm. It's up in the air for me. Is um. Stephon Diggs this week could have a huge week. I have a weird feeling he's going to shred the Jets this week. Probably will. That's possible. I, mean, I don't know. Sauce Gardner has been very good in coverage. So I, I don't know. Oh, I know. Like, we'll so like I this, week. I, I, he's been Juju Smith-Schuster this week is also someone that I've that I've looked at is probably and I'm going against him this week. So I'm kind of scared. I mean, he's this whole season. I mean, Ben Ann because number is obviously. The number he hasn't even been the third target on his team in the past in the passing game, but I mean he's coming off back to back twenty two point games, um, going up against a uh, I think Tennessee this week and they're like top five they've allowed to wide receivers and points. I mean I feel like he could have a great week. Um, I'm Travis Etienne has been a steal. I know that because he's I mean what did he have last week twenty five and then even score a touchdown. I mean. He's been looking amazing as well. I feel like he's a great start this week. Um, and yeah, like you, like you said, Coach Kirk Cousins. I mean, he. I mean, I've had him on my bench all year, and I for the first week that I wanted to drop him and um, and uh, just roll with Mahomes and not have to worry about having a back quarterback to make space. He obviously puts up like back to back twenty point games. I mean, yeah, I know. Also, Dupes, great pickup this week if he's on your wire. Yeah, he's on my team. I just picked him up. Uh, he's on my wire. Chuba Hubbard, even though he's out this week again. Yeah. I think they drafted him for a reason, and it's not just – it's for him to become the starter by the end of the year. Right, right, right. Lazard is back for uh, Green Bay this week, so Dobbs is going to look probably not as good as he looked this last week. But because, I mean, I've had him on my team for a couple weeks now and then dropped him and when, he was, when he had a zero-point week. And then, I mean, he obviously had a great week 
uh, against the Bills, but I don't really know if that production is going to keep up. I think I, I just think I think Rodgers' production is going to keep getting better. I mean, he started off what looking really bad, and he's had that like I think he scored twenty four points in the last three weeks. I mean, he's been looking he's, he's been looking good too. So I don't know. Maybe Dobbs. Could, I think Dobbs is a really fringe start. A very you got to be you got to be stretching to get him at your flex. I feel like I mean, you got to be deep in buys. So, so here's my question because I, I was listening to something about this. It was probably I think it was another podcast because we all know how thin tight end is in fantasy between like three or four good ones. That's it. Is quarterbacks just as thin in terms of elite players? Yes. Yeah. You guys think so too? You got you got Lamar Jackson. You got Mahomes. You got Josh Allen. Jalen Hurts. Jalen Hurts. And then some weeks, Tua seems to be in that group. Tua's like – And Herbert. And Herbert. And Justin Herbert, yeah. And then I guess Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow's kind of fringe also. It really is. It's like – a, and then Kyler Murray and Dak would probably be like the eight and nine, I'd say. Okay. Mac, Mac Jones, Jones, as of late, I mean, has been okay. Or not – sorry, not Mac Jones. Sorry, um, Daniel Jones. He's been he's been good as of late. but Or, like, I guess if you believe in Geno Smith. But, I mean, I'm still kind of skeptical of that. Me too. So Giants, pretender or contender? Pretender. I'd say pretender. Well, I mean, I'm just go I through some teams right now. I think they come in third in the East behind the Cowboys and Eagles. I agree. Yeah, I, feel I feel pretty comfortable saying that. Jets, pretenders or contenders? I hate, say pretender. I hate to say it. I think they're a pretender. I think, I don't think they're going to win the, the – they're obviously not going to win the Super Bowl, but I think that they're definitely a playoff contender. I okay. think they have a chance of – I think they're, a, okay, a contender to make the playoffs, but I see no world they win a playoff game. If Tampa gets in, which they should, does Tom Brady have any shot of getting one more ring? I think he 100% does. No. Conventional wisdom says no, but I don't know. I think you'd have to be stupid to ever say no to this question until he's dead. That's what he's I'm saying. And one last contender-pretender question. Minnesota. Contender. Okay, contender in the fact that I think that they have a chance. To, I think they probably lose in about the NFC Championship game, and the reason I say that is I just don't think Kirk Cousins can win a Super Bowl. That uh, NFC is too thin. But the NFC yeah. is extremely weak this year. I just think – I don't think Kirk Cousins is a different maker, difference maker, but it might kind of be like some of those Eli Manning Giants teams that are just so good around him that it's kind of like yeah. they win in spite of him almost. Especially getting Hawk and everything. and if Just Dalvin- the idea of Kirk Cousins winning a Super Bowl is a crazy idea to me. But I well, guess exactly. Like- Pretender. So, okay, let's move into some picks. NFL, let's start. Lions, Packers. I got Packers. I'll take the Packers. Yeah, I'll take the Packers big. I think Aaron Rodgers finally comes up to play this week. Buccaneers, Rams, 425 on CBS. Who are you taking? I'm going to go with – I'm going to go with the – it hurts me to say, but I'm going to go with the Bucs. Okay. Disagree. I think this is a get right week for the Rams. They've looked a little bit shaky. I think this is the week they get right and start pushing towards the playoffs. It really depends if Cooper Cup's active or not. Yeah, I think he is, and I just think this is their get right week. I think the Rams win, and I think they actually do it big. This is my thought on that game. I think the Bucs get back on track. Tom Brady finally lets all the distractions go to him, comes right back to football mode the rest of the year. I mean, loser of that game's in trouble. Yeah, 100%. a lot of trouble. Cardinals, Seahawks. Cardinals at home. Cardinals. I like the Seahawks. I mean, with uh, looks like DK and Locker are both finally back to both 100%. Kenneth is looking great. I mean, I'll go. I'll go with uh, I'll go with the Seahawks. I think this is the week Geno and that magic kind of starts going away. I think the Cardinals win at home. I think it'd be a close game, but I think the Cardinals win. I think D hop back. Cardinals have a win there. All right, moving into college football picks of the week. We're gonna start with Michigan State, Illinois. I have Illinois blown out Michigan State this week. Yep, agreed. Too many distractions in the MSU program. I think Illinois is a fraud, but I still think they win. I'd say Illinois by about 17. In a very boring game. All right. I agree. Other Big Ten games that are notable this week that should be close games. Wisconsin, Maryland, Wisconsin at home. I have Maryland yeah. taking one on the road. I think I have Wisconsin. And I have Wisconsin covering as well. They've been looking a lot better as I think that I think it was four, four and a half, something like that. I, I got Wisconsin covering. I think this would be a huge game for Maryland to step up and win on the road and show they're actually somewhat for real at seven and two, but I don't think they are Wisconsin. All right. Last pick of the big 10. And then we're moving to some ranked games. Um, Northwestern Ohio state giving Ohio state 38. Yeah. 38. 
give me the in points. Northwestern. Give me Ohio State in the points. Yeah, I think you could set this line at 48, and I'd probably still take Ohio State to cover the spread. Northwestern's terrible. Their only win is over Nebraska in week zero. Moving into top 25 games, we're going to finish with the obvious last one will be our obvious game of the week. Notre Dame, we'll start with Notre Dame, Clemson at Notre Dame. I have Notre Dame upsetting Clemson at home. Uh, I w- I'm going to take Clemson, but I do think it's going to be a really, really close game. Notre Dame looks really good as of late. I'm gonna, so I'm, I'm gonna stick. I'm gonna stick with Clemson, but that's gonna be a great game. I could. I have a really. pretty good idea of how I think this game's gonna go. I think Clemson's gonna look really bad at the half, be down seven or ten points, turn the ball over a couple of times. I think Dabo finally makes the decision to sit DJU, put Cade Klumnik in the game. They come out in the second half a different team, beat Notre Dame, and probably end up making the college football playoff. You could just tell how much different they. You could you could just tell how much different they looked when not not because of Cade how good of his play, but just the just the, the feeling around the team. I mean, it went, yeah, I think it they'll give to, DJ one bad half. Yeah. Where I, think, I think they'll be losing at the half and then pull him. Texas on the road at K-State. I'm going to take a Texas upset on the road. They're not even underdogs, but I'll take Texas on a win on the road. Ewer shows why he's going to be a Heisman finalist next year and a top two pick. Give me that. Give me that. Uh, give me that wildcat head. Adrian Martinez, Deuce Vaughn, that running attack is way too strong. I got I got Kansas State at home. The last time out, Texas's receivers were very bad. Ewers are making some good throws, a lot of drops late in that game. I think Texas is going to come focused. I don't think Texas loses again this year. I think they're going to end the year of 10 and 3 ranked. And then I think next year they're going to be a serious contender to win the national championship. Moving out of Baton Rouge, LSU, Bama. I have Bama going on the road. I can't see Bama losing two regular season games this year. Mm-mm. I agree. I'm going to take I'm going to take Bama. I think they're going to cover the 13 and a half or 14 and a half, whatever it's at right now. Um, I don't, I mean, I think it's crazy that LSU is up at 10. I mean, I, I don't think they're a bad team. I think they look good, but 10, I think is way too high. Um, yeah. So I'm going to go Bama. I think Brian Kelly's done a hell of a job turning it around since week one. And I think the place is probably be rocking. I think they probably play a good quarter or so, but I think Bama puts a bullet in him and makes a statement. I think, I think you're going to be talking about Bryce Young right back in the Heisman race. I'll take Bama to win by three touchdowns. And NC State, Wake Forest, 21 versus 22 at NC State. I'm going to take NC State at home. Yep. Toss-up game. I mean, Hartman, I don't know if I don't know if he's got it to win, you know, at the Wolfpack, but you know, I'll, I'll take uh, I'll take NC State just because they're at home. Yeah, we're finally in November where Wake Forest is finally in the spot where they're ranked, and then they'll fall off and you'll forget that they're ranked in a couple of weeks. NC State wins. In the premier game of the week, Tennessee Uga at Georgia. I'm going to take Georgia in a very close nail-biting game. I love Tennessee. I think Georgia needs to establish a run right away. If Georgia establishes that run against Tennessee, who lets off less than 100 yards a game on the ground, Georgia runs away with that game at home. But if that game's in Knoxville, I'm picking knock, I'm picking Tennessee 10 times out of 10. I agree. I'm going to take Georgia as well. I mean, they got to establish, like you said, the run game. Uh, they got to start in a lot of tight bunches, and I really like their play action where they're, they're going to both Brock Bowers um, and I forget their other tight end's name. Um, their backup tight end. He's, well, he's I'm playing on the name too. Yeah, he's playing a lot right now. And I mean, their, their play action was really good. They do have to establish a run game. I'm going to take Georgia, but I do not think I got Tennessee covering the points though. Seven and a half or eight and a half is crazy. I think, I think Tennessee, I mean, it, it hurts me to not even pick Tennessee um, just because of how vulnerable Georgia has looked at moments this year, especially like, I mean, in their game against Missouri. I mean, they've had some other good wins that looked like good wins because they ran up the score at the end of the game, similar to Ohio State, where, you know, they have looked really vulnerable and, Tennessee really hasn't that much. I mean, so I guess I'll take Georgia just because of the environment. Um, it's really hard to win in the doghouse, but I'll, uh, I got Tennessee covering the points, but I got Georgia by three. Okay. All right. Here's what I'm going to say. I think that Tennessee's defense might not be at the elite level that some of these top teams in college football are, but I'm strong believer that you got an offense like they do. They're, I don't want to say – I don't like to use this because I don't think that any team in our lifetime has been as good as 2019 LSU, but there's a lot of things that remind me of them and them. I think Tennessee goes into – I think Tennessee goes on the road into Athens and wins that game, and I think Hendon Hooker is – I wow. honestly think, I think Saturday at about 8 o'clock, Hendon Hooker will have won the Heisman Trophy. I like that take. You have balls for saying that because I yeah. want Tennessee to win that game so bad, but I just can't say it. I think Jalen Hyatt, if he played at Alabama, would be talked about like Devontae Smith. Or if he played at Ohio State, it would be about like Chris Olave or Garrett Wilson at least. I think he's – I honestly think you could make an argument for Jalen Hyatt to win the highest instead of Hendon Hooker. I mean, I Jaylen think he's 
his, could, his stats compared to Devontae Smith in uh, 2020 are very similar. And you Devontae could very Smith. likely make the argument that Jalen Hyatt's the best player in college football, and I wouldn't be upset by that at all. I mean, he has more touchdowns than a bunch of FBS teams do total. I don't know. I think he's I think he's the real deal. I think that they're the real deal. I think Hooker and Hyatt, I think that's the best connection. I mean, that's a lot like some of the Devontae Smith, Chris Olave, that kind of thing. I like that pick because I – Either way, I find with this game. I think that this will be a dogfight all the way up until the end. Yeah, and I'll be shocked if it's not. I think the last – so our last pick of the day, do the Astros put it away, put the nail in the coffin in game six, or does this go to seven? I've got – it's tough because, I mean, part of me was wondering, you know, if there's any way that I think the Phillies can do it at this point. I mean, I was all in on them when they were up 2-1, but – I mean, coming off getting, you know, no-node and then going on, going back to Houston with two in a row, they got all, all the momentum in the world. I'm, I can't see it. They're closing it out in six tonight. Kate Upton's going to be clapping. As much as I hate to say it, I think the World Series won last night in Philadelphia. I think that Houston wins tomorrow night, and I don't even think it's particularly close. I think they get out to an early lead and just kind of cruise tomorrow night at home. I think last night you had so many opportunities where, the, you know, they had a jam, two guys out. The Astros just kept getting out of jams, and I felt like it felt like a championship-winning fight last night chosen away really they're finally getting the monkey off his back and then their bullpen just stepping up every single time they got into trouble it just felt like yep they're the best team in baseball in the world series i agree with you i think stroh's put it away in six wheeler gets lit up and the stroh's play winning baseball all night yeah i i agree with you i could very easily see a thing where they're down i could see the astros being up five runs after four innings that kind of thing i could just see them kind of Mm -hmm. blowing it open early i think the momentum's out and the air is out i've said the whole time that series goes back to houston they win the series Mm-hmm. They're gonna win. I mean, I mean at, least, at least down three two. Maybe if they had won one of the last two days, you can make an argument up three two. But down three two, going back there. I mean, even if they find a way to pull it off tomorrow night, the chances of them pulling it off Saturday and Sunday night in Houston is near zero. All right, thanks guys for hopping on. Um, we'll be back Monday recapping probably more than likely a shit weekend. So <laughs> see you guys on Monday. Um, 